You are listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Uh, hey, today we're continuing our series that we kicked off last week called All In. All in. And uh, all in is a phrase, if you've uh, man, paid attention to culture much, it's kind of a phrase that gets used in a lot of different circles. Uh, all in really means this. We started it last week by saying all in means that you are fully committed to something. It means you're locked in, man. Your time, your energy, your life, your resources, you are invested into something. And you can be all in with a lot of different things, okay? Some of you, like you're all in with your sports team, okay? And we know because you talk about it all the time, all right? And uh, some of you, you could be all in with your job or your company and and that's great. Work hard. Okay. Do good for your company. Some of you, you're all in like with that relationship. You're pursuing that next guy or that next girl. And we know all about that too. Okay. Stop posting. Okay. I'm just saying, um, but you're all in with them. Uh, some of you, you're all in with like your favorite new hobby or like something uh, special that you enjoy your pleasure in life. Uh, a few weeks ago at my house, we picked up for the first time pickleball. Anybody pickleballed before? Okay, cool. Good. Two of y'all can come play with us. The rest of y'all, you're like, I don't even know what that is. I like dill pickles though. It ain't dill pickles, okay? Uh, man, you can be all in with a lot of stuff. Like you can be all in um, with somebody or a relationship or a career path, but really all in just means, man, I'm, I'm fully committed. And all of me is involved in this. And so last week we kicked off our series asking this question, man, are you all in? Like not to win a game or a championship or to play pickleball, but are you all in, in this call to follow Jesus? Not church, okay? But are you all in and committed with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your life to follow Jesus with not some of you, but with Lord, you have my heart. You get all of me. And so today we're going to continue that conversation. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we're hanging out for this entire series. Uh, that's towards the beginning of your Bible in the Old Testament. We'd love it for you to open up there so that you can follow along with where we'll be. If you don't have a copy of Scripture here in the room or in our online gathering, we put verses on the screen just so you can track with where we are. Uh, as we introduced this passage last week, I told you that this section of verses we're looking at in Deuteronomy 6 is known as the Great Commandment, or uh, in the Hebrew, it's known as the Shema. Okay, so everybody just say that with me. Shema. Cool. Some of y'all didn't get to say that last week, and like, I can't hold it out where you don't get to spit on your neighbor and just say Shema, okay? Uh, it's good. What does Shema mean? What, what does it mean? Well, it means to listen or to hear, which is the first word of the Shema, okay? But the Shema is, is this section of verses in Deuteronomy that was this. Don't miss this. It was an ancient Israelite prayer, okay, that was repeated and taught over and over. Kind of like you think of the Lord's Prayer today, okay? Think of the Shema. It was taught over and over. And again, it means listen. God's calling us to listen. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to read the six verses that we're touching on at some point across the month of June, and then we're going to go back and review for a second. It's going to be fun. You ready? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Read it together and look at it. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Verse 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. And tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Finally, verse 9. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, last week, as we kicked it off, I told you how I was going to help you learn the Shema and grow in Jesus. Anybody remember what that was? 
Cool. Nobody. Okay. We got, I know some of y'all, you're like, I can't talk in church. It's okay. All right. Uh, only say good stuff though. Okay. We're going to memorize. We're memorizing some verses together. Not all six because I didn't have that much confidence in you. Okay. But we're memorizing. I love you. We're memorizing two verses, verse four and verse five. That's it. Verse four and five. And, and listen, as I thought about you and I prayed for you this week, I taught you last week, and I know, I know that many of you have spent hours this week, okay, working for this particular moment to memorize these two verses. So here's how we're going to do this, okay? We're going to line up over here on this wall, and one at a time, we're going to... Y'all didn't buy that for a second, did you, okay? And everybody online was like, whew, I'm glad I'm online this week, all right? Now, we're going to memorize it together. We're working on it. I realize some of you are brand new, and you're like, I didn't even know I had homework. Okay, well, you did. All right, so you get a pass today. You're going to read it. But here's, here's my challenge, okay? We're really trying to learn this. Like, I'm a little serious in this, uh, that we're, we're trying to ingest God's Word into our lives. And so if you were here last week, like, at least close your eye or one eye or close your bad eye, whatever, on, on verse 4. And then maybe you can read verse 5, okay? But we're going to put it on the screen. We're going to read it together. I'm asking you to challenge yourself a little bit, a little accountability for you, okay? So here we go. Here's our verses that we're memorizing together. Uh, Let's read it or quote it, whatever your lane is today. You ready? Let's go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Cool. I saw a couple of people put your head down like you sleep later in my message, okay? But I know you was trying, okay? The rest of you read it. Now, challenge yourself. We're going to go one more time, okay? We got two more weeks to learn this. You ready? Here we go. One more time. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Very, very good. I'm impressed with you, okay? Hey, uh, as I said earlier, Shema means to listen. God's calling us. He says, hey, pay attention. Lean in. What I have to say matters for your life. However, don't miss this. That word listen doesn't just mean, okay, to let sound waves reverberate in your ears. That's what you tell your kids, all right? Listen is more than just hear what I say, okay? But listen in this context means to let that truth sink in, to let it provide understanding, and then to move you to a response, in Hebrew, watch this, in Hebrew, listening and doing were essentially the same thing. Okay? Maybe you should introduce that at our household. Okay? When I say it, you do it. All right? Listening and doing were the same thing. This was a call not just to hear, but this was a call to action. If you only hear it, you're missing it. And so that leads us to the verse that I want us to focus on today, which is the second verse of the Shema, verse 5 of Deuteronomy 6. We'll put it on the screen, and I want you to see it one more time. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, how many of my good church people have heard that verse before? Just raise your hand. You heard that verse before? Almost everybody in the house. Now, how many of you are perfectly living that out? Go on, raise your hand up. Good. Raise your hand up. Okay. Good. Nobody, which proves you just said you got a reason to listen today, okay? So I'm locking you in. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through verse 5. We're going to highlight some of the key words from this and let it move us, okay, and grow us to be more like Jesus. Everybody good with that? If you're good, say, I'm good. Good. Awesome. Let's look at the first word of that, which is the word love. First word of verse 5, love. Love the Lord your God. And I want us to understand what it means. We've all heard the word, okay? And every single one of us have some interpretation of love, probably a hundred different all right, ideas and perspectives on love, even as we listen right now. So what did, what did this word love mean in the text? This word love comes from the Hebrew word for this kind of love, which is the Hebrew word ahava. Everybody say that one, 
Ahava. That was a lot of fun to say. I knew you'd enjoy that. Ahava means this. Ahava is a love when one person shows care for another. It's a caring kind of love, not the romantic kind of love that you got for your boo, okay? That's not what we're talking about. This is a caring ahava kind of love. And so we think of this and we see it in the Old Testament. If you're familiar with some of these stories, Abraham had ahava for his son Isaac as they walked to the altar. Remember that story? Jonathan had ahava for David, his friend, as he tried to spare his life. Ahava is this deep, caring kind of love, and it points us and directs us towards God's love for us. I want you to see one chapter over. You can see these verses on the screen. God is speaking to his people, the Israelites, and I want you to see and sense the ahava that God has for his people. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 7 says, the Lord did not set his affection Okay? On you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all peoples. He's speaking to Israel. But it was because the Lord, what? The Lord, Ahava, the Lord loved you. And he kept the oath that he swore to your ancestors and that he brought you out with a mighty hand. He redeemed you from the land of slavery and from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Here's what scripture is saying there. Scripture is telling the Israelites that God had an Ahava, deep, caring love for them. Did you notice what it said? It didn't say the Israelites earned God's love. Didn't say they deserved God's love. Didn't say they were the big, bad, powerful nation, so God picked them. No, it says God had an Ahava, a deep, caring love for them. And as a result of that, his love moved him to action. It said that he saved them. He redeemed them. He reconciled them. And so here's where that translates to you and me. Scripture is calling us to love God because of his love for us, because of his ahava for you. How about this verse? 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. You've probably heard this one. We love because he what? First loved us. Who went first? Not you and me. He went first. God had a deep, ahava, caring kind of love for us. And then what did he do? He gave us the greatest gift, the greatest sacrifice of all time. He offered you and me a way out from spiritual death to spiritual life. Therefore, we're called to love him. Don't miss this part. With not just a feeling, but we're called to love him with an action. Ahava moves us to action. And I'm convinced that until you really come to the place where you fully appreciate and you fully understand um, God's unconditional, his unlimited, his relentless love for you, you will never fully move to that action, ahava love back to him. Okay? We can all sing the song and we can say God loves you, but there's something that registers inside of someone when you believe it. And it changes how you live and it changes how you respond to God in love. And I believe maybe even there's some of you today that if you were honest, you would say, um, man, loving God, trying to carry out his commands for my life, um, is, it is hard. It's a struggle. Now, you wouldn't say that out loud at church because you might get judged, okay? But internally, maybe that's something that you think, that you wrestle with. And you go, I mean, I don't really always want to come to the gathering. Or I don't really want to go to a group. But I go sometimes just because I'm trying to make him happy or her happy or make him hush. So I go. Or, you know, I don't always, I don't really like to open up my Bible and read it like I do sometimes. But it's, I mean, it's hard to understand. And sometimes it's just boring. I don't, listen to me. 
and some of us, maybe your mindset is there. Would you stay with me? Chances are maybe you think that because you're trying to love God out of a duty-based love rather than a relational-based love. There's a huge difference, huge difference. I don't know if you caught in verse 5, there's so many personal pronouns. Did you see them? It says, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and your soul and your strength. Here's what that means for us. God's not calling you to some emotional, warm, fuzzy, or duty-based, got to man up and do it kind of love. He's calling you to relationship. A deep relationship of ahava, love, where you know his love for you, and because of that, you then love him back. I follow you because of your love for me. Our love for God should not be a burden. Look how 1 John says it. I love this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says, In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not, what does it say? Burdensome. They're not burdensome. See, I believe when, when we're just going through religious motions, don't miss this, when we're just going through religious motions, in other words, loving God can become a burden or this extra task that we have to do or figure out how to incorporate into our lives. But when we are living in daily relationship, ahava, following of God, and it's a response of our lives, not a duty, but a relational response of our lives, then there is a joy and a willingness in us to follow and know him back. And God calls you today to a relationship with him. And in the Shema, God was calling Israel, and today he's calling you and me to do this, to make a choice. What's the choice? Well, the question is, as we're framing it across June, is are you all in? Like, are you, are you all in to fully follow Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, your strength, and ultimately your life? So today, I'm asking you, God's prompting you to answer the question, are you living with this all-in kind of love? Do you have that kind of love that we're describing here? And here's a true statement I want you to write down and then we're going to kind of build off of today, and this is, the, is this. You cannot fully love God with less than your all. Okay. You cannot, key words, fully love God with less than your all. You cannot today claim to love God with your all and then live a less than life. What I know is, okay, probably everybody listening to the sound of my voice would say today, man, I love God, okay? Like you're connected to a church gathering today. Whether you wanted to come or you got drugged into this moment, you're at least in a church gathering. You would probably say, I love God. But Deuteronomy 6 today says... God is an all or nothing kind of God. That he gave his all, his ahava for you and for me. And so he says, will you be all in in your love for me? Will you be all in? I want you to imagine with me um, for a moment that um, November 8th, 2008 was my wedding day. You can send us a card, okay? November 8th, 2008. I want you to imagine that we went through the ceremony and everybody was there and we looked so good and the pictures were great and we said all the I do's and we ate the cake and we did the reception and the whole thing. And I want you to imagine that I wake up the next morning, first day, fully married man. And I look at my wife and I say, babe, I love you. 
and I'm all in with you. Like, I am committed to you. I'm so proud to call you my wife. But now that we're married, let me kind of set the ground rules for how my love's going to work, okay? I'm going to love you really, really well Monday through Friday. Like, it's going to be great, okay? The weekends, not so much, because I've got some things that I really want to do and I want to be about on the weekends. You good with that, okay? Um, babe, hey, listen, you can have access to 50% of the money that I make. A whole 50%. Like, you, you can use that. We'll pay bills, all that kind of good stuff. The other 50%, I'm going to take that. I've got some things I want to use it for. Cool? Okay, good. Hey, babe, around the house, cut the grass, I'm your boy, okay? Keep the cars washed and oil changed, I'm the man. Everything else, if you don't mind taking care of that, that'd be great, all right? And then when we have kids, listen, I'm going to be amazing at waking up in the morning and getting them dressed, going to kill that. And then bedtime, I'm the guy. I'm going to tuck them in, nighttime prayers, all that stuff. I got everything in between those moments if you'll get that. But I love you, and I am fully locked in with you. You're my girl, but this is kind of how my love's going to work. How do you think that would have gone on day one of being a brand new husband? Okay, it would have been the shortest marriage in the history of humanity. That's what would have happened. You know that. Why? Because you get it on that level, don't you? When you come to a marriage, two people come with a way, with an all-in kind of love. Man, all of me is yours, and all of you is mine, and we're in this together. Listen to me. Even more so, church in this calling to follow Jesus with all of our lives. You cannot fully claim to love God with less than your all. Now, in verse 5, if you saw it, there were a few other really key words. We looked at love, okay, ahava. But then there were three other really key words that if you've memorized verse 5 before, that got included in there. And I think it's really important for us to understand them as we figure out what does an all-in love look like for your world and mine. And so I want us to look at those. Look back at Deuteronomy 6.5. Just a quick refresher. Let's read it one more time. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. There's going to be one. With all your soul and with all your strength. Those are the three words I want us to focus on. Heart, soul, and strength. Why would God include those words in this Shema that was memorized by so many people that we even still look at today in Jesus' teaching. Why would he include that? You ready? Let's take some notes. We're going to learn a little bit today. First, let's look at the word heart. In Hebrew, the word heart was the word lavav or lev, okay? And here's what that meant. We obviously today have a great understanding of what a heart is and what it does in its functions, thanks to medical technology and research and wisdom, and thank God for all of that, Okay? Cultures past did not have the knowledge that we have today. They understood that a heart was inside of a human being somewhere in this general vicinity. They realized it was pretty important, but they did not understand its functions in the same way that you and I understand its functions. For the Hebrews, they believed that the heart was the center of human intellect and understanding. Here's why. The Hebrews did not understand the concept of the human brain. In fact, they didn't even have a word for brain. So they believed that the heart was the center of intellect, of intellect and understanding. And that's why throughout Scripture you see phrases like this, that you know with your heart, that your heart 
understands, or that Proverbs says wisdom dwells in the heart, or it also says your heart is what you use to discern truth. All things that we would say, no, you do with your brain, they understood that, no, you do that with your heart. And so the Hebrews also understood your heart to be a place where you experience emotions, that brokenness, pain, joy, all happen here. That's why scripture says that you would have a heart of joy. Emotions would happen there. But finally, and maybe most importantly today, we understand that their knowledge was that your heart was where you made choices from. That's where your motives came out of, came out of the heart. Therefore, Scripture says that you follow the desires of your heart, that your heart is this motive-driving force in your life. And so literally, they believe that everything in life, it came from this one centerpiece of your life. So thus, we get verses like Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for why? For everything you do flows from it. It is the centerpiece of all that you are. It is the center of your affections, your delight, and your pleasures. However, if you also read further into the Old Testament, you begin to understand that our heart has an issue, that our heart is broken, which is why Jeremiah would write this in Jeremiah 17, 9. He says, the heart is what? Is deceitful. You cannot trust it. Above all things, and it is beyond cure, who can understand it? As you look at the story of the Old Testament, you realize that the Israelites were a whole generation who demonstrated that they denied God and they had a faulty heart, right? Which is why scripture calls the Israelites and you and I to have a renewal of what? The heart, right? We see it all throughout scripture. David prayed, create in me a clean and pure what? Heart. Ezekiel prayed, would you replace this heart of stone with a heart of flesh, of softness, a receptivity to God, what you're doing. And today God calls us to love him with how much of our heart? All of our heart. Every bit of our levov, all right? Your deepest affections, delights, and pleasures are required to love God with all of your heart. So let's begin to attach this to our lives today. Can you honestly say that you delight in following God? Like, does it bring you delight? When we sing songs about God, you are good, and I'll follow you, and yes, I will, and I give you. Like, does it, does it bring delight in you? Does it, does it bring delight like your favorite ice cream brings delight? Okay? Does, does leaning in and knowing God deeply, does it, does it bring pleasure to your life like your favorite hobby brings pleasure to you? Do you, um, do you long to have your affections to know him? Do, do you long to know him and spend time with him like you long to spend time with your significant other? You see, you cannot follow God fully with less than your all. And verse five says that you would love the Lord your God with all of your heart your deepest affections and delights and pleasures, that they would be set on him. So it says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and then love the Lord your God with all of your soul, okay? The word soul in Hebrew, it's a fun word. It's the word uh, nefesh. 
Nefesh. I, I just like saying that. You can say it out loud if you want to. Your neighbor will look at you strangely, but it's good. Nefesh occurs over 700 times in the Old Testament. And most of our understanding today, when you hear that word nefesh, especially in a church or maybe religious culture, it comes from an old Greek understanding. And for most of us, here's how we think of what you probably went to a while ago in your mind when you heard the word soul, is you thought of this um, non-physical, like can't reach out and grab it, immortal essence of a person. It's just like it's buried down inside of us and it comes out what? When we die. That's when we know our soul. But the reality is, as you look at the Hebrew understanding and how they wrote it into this verse, that's really far from the exact interpretation. In fact, the word nephesh in one interpretation is your throat, which is kind of weird, all right? But as you understand scripture, you, you begin to see the imagery, but even more so, what I want us to focus on today is that nephesh means your, your whole existence, all of you. Not this immortal part that comes out when you die, but it's every bit of who you are. So in scripture, watch this, people don't have a nephesh, they don't have a soul, but they are one because their whole existence is incorporated in this. Now, I realize that's maybe rocking somebody's world because you thought soul was all this one thing, but soul is not just something that survives the body after death, but scripturally speaking, the soul refers to the whole human as a living organism. So that's why in scripture, you may read the word soul, especially in the Old Testament, where they're not just referring to something that comes after death, but they're actually speaking of their soul as who they are in the flesh right now, my nephesh, my soul. Let me give you an example. Psalm 42, verse 1, a verse that maybe you've seen before, says this. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my what? my soul, my nephesh. And even in that verse, there's this imagery that like my throat can thirst, but today we want us to understand my whole existence. This is what the psalmist is saying. He says, every bit of me, there's not an inch of my existence that doesn't long to know you, God. I want to love you with all of me. And so nephesh doesn't just incorporate some imaginary afterlife part of us, but it's the full essence of who we are. So to love God with all of your soul, watch this, it means that you devote to him, all of you, your whole existence is devoted to its creator, to the one who made you in the first place. Therefore, to love God with all of your soul means that you devote this to him. You devote your purpose, your mission, your motives of life. They're all devoted to him. So let me, let me ask you again to reflect on, on your life as I reflect on mine. Honestly speaking today, could you say that your, your main purpose, if it is your mission and your motives and your purpose, is your main purpose of life to honor God? Like, like do you go to your job? Do you do your work day in and day out more so to honor him or is it to get the paycheck, to pay the bill, or to make a name for yourself? You see the difference? Do you, how about this, do you, do you leverage the relationships in your life, be it romantic or friendship? Do you, do you mainly leverage those relationships in a way to glorify and honor God that, that you might grow more closely to him, that you might help others know him and understand who he is? Do you leverage those relationships for, for that end means or really are most of those relationships to kind of see what you can get out of them? Or how about this? If, you're, if your nephesh, if your soul is, it's your whole existence. 
then that incorporates your body. And so could you honestly say today, do, do you use your body, this physical tent that you're in, do you use that body week in and week out in a way that, that honors God? You see? He says, love me with all of your heart, all of your soul. Not this thing that happens after you die, but this whole existence of who you are. And you cannot fully love God with less than your all, all of my heart, all of my soul. But there's one last word. What's that last word? All of your strength, okay? Um, the word, Hebrew word for the word strength is the word uh, mo'od, okay? Mo'od. Uh, but it actually doesn't mean strength. I know maybe for a long time you're like, no, 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 I mean strength. Listen, actually, there is a Hebrew word for strength, but mo'od isn't it. And so you go, what, what does this word even mean? Well, this Hebrew word actually means very, or it means much. For all my English students in the house and all my English teachers, I know it's summer, but you come into class today. You ready? Okay. Ma'od is an adverb. Okay. Anybody know what an adverb is? Just nod. Okay. I won't call on you, but just act like you do. Okay. An adverb is a supporting word that then does what? That gives emphasis to another word. It's a helper, all right, that adds emphasis. And ma'od is this word that adds on, like we might use the word very or much. In fact, in some parts of the Old Testament, writers would double it up. They'd say ma'od, ma'od, okay, to add like lots of emphasis. We're all in. So why in the world does this word ma'od land in this prayer People are reciting and memorizing where they're called to love God with all their heart and their soul. And it doesn't even mean strength. What, what is its purpose here? Well, Scripture was saying essentially this, to love God with all of our muchness. And that sounds kind of funny. But here's essentially what it was saying, is to love God with literally everything. All that you are. Every bit of your existence your motives, your capabilities, your limitations, your strengths, your weaknesses, your gifts, all of it, your muchness. So this word is only driving home what we just learned with heart and soul to say very much, all of your muchness. It means you love God with your, with your time, my energy, my talents, my money, my resources, my influence, my relationships, my mind. Every bit of it comes together in this effort to love God with all that I am. To be fully all in. Ma'od means to love him with your very muchness, which means there literally isn't a part of your life that is not used to love and honor God. Now, as you think about that, I want to ask you to reflect, is that true of you, though? Is that true of you? Do, do, do you love God with your very muchness, every aspect of your being? Or, maybe more honestly, is there a part of your life that you're holding back from fully loving God with? Or is there a part of your life that's holding you back from fully loving God? Because remember, you can't fully love him with less than your all. Maybe for some of you today, um, man, it's, it's your time that you're holding back or that's holding you back. And you go, man, my life is slammed. It's so busy. Kids, schedules, work, going this, that. Like, I, I really don't have time to personally engage God's word. 
right? I don't have time to like grow with others. I know you're talking about like being in a group or discipling. Like I just, I can't work that in because you want to see my planner? I don't, I don't have time to like serve other people because I'm trying to work a 60 hour a week job. I don't have time. And maybe for you, like that's, that's part of what's, what's holding you back. And maybe for some of you, um, maybe it's relationships of romantic or of maybe even the friendship variety. And you'd say, God, like, I, I'm in with you. I love you. I want to follow you. But like, there's this guy or there's that girl or there's this friend group. And like, God, I know there's some things that we probably do that like maybe you don't fully like or fully agree with, but I really like them. And so you can have like all of this rest of me, but I'm, I'm going to handle this part, okay? And maybe for some of you, it's what Jesus said would be the number one competitor for our heart is our money. And maybe today, like, that's holding you back. And, like, you're looking at God going, like, God, have you seen the gas prices? God, do you, God, you know how tight it already is. And, I, like, I know you say, like, and I hear the preacher say, like, give my tithe or look for ways to be generous. But, like, dude, do you know what our bank account looks like, God? Okay, listen, God, I'm going to manage this right now. I'll maybe get back to you later. But, you, listen, you get all of the rest of me. Or maybe it's your job or your kids or your gifts or your mind, your intellect. And essentially what you're saying is, God, I'm all in with you. I'm, I'm committed. I'm fully yours. And just like that silly example that I gave earlier with my wife, God, I fully belong to you. And you can have some of me. You can, have, you can even have most of me, God. But right now, just in this season, I may get there, but right now you just can't have all of me. And all I'm pointing us to today, church, is for your life and, and for mine, is that God very clearly says, hey, if you want to follow me, if you want to ahava me, I'm asking you to love me as I've loved you, to love me with, with all of your heart and all of your soul to the very muchness, the full extent of who you are. read a story this week of a 78-year-old woman by the name of Elida Husson. And for 50 of Elida's 78 years, she struggled with the habit of smoking. And she tried everything to break this habit, all the things on the list. She tried and nothing prevailed until finally, 50 years into this habit that she was trying to break, she finally broke it. And everyone began to ask Elida, like, how did you do it? 50 years in, are you serious? You laid it down after 50 years. What's the secret? And she finally began to tell everybody what the secret was. The secret was 79-year-old Leo Jansen, who proposed to be married to Elida. But he says, for me to take your hand in marriage, I'm not going to take that habit into the relationship. And Elida said, and I quote, willpower never was enough to get me off the habit, but love made me do it. You see, I tell you that story just to say today that when you fully love, all your love, you will never give less than you're all. And maybe today you're sitting there listening to me and you're going, man, I hear what you're saying, but like, I know there's this thing 
or I know this, this area of my life, or there's this relationship, and it's, it's what's holding me back. It's the one thing that's preventing me from really being all in. It's this habit or this hang-up that's in my life. So what do you do? Like, what do you do if you're there and you, and you know today you're not fully giving God your all? Okay? I want to give you three quick things that I think the Holy Spirit could use in your life. I mean, as we trust God and we want to give him our, our ahava, all of our levav, all right? You ready? Here's the first one. It's just be honest. Okay? Be honest. Maybe you want to write these down. Be honest. What do you mean be honest? Well, just be honest that there's something or an area of your life that is holding you back from loving God with your all. You've been doing part-time. He's calling you to full-time. And just be honest with him. Can I tell you something? He already knows. And chances are he's revealed that thing that's in your life that's holding you back. And like, you know what it is even right now. And today, he just wants you to be honest that, man, there's something that's preventing you from loving him with your all. Here's number two. You ready? Be open. Be open. What do you mean, be open? I'm just saying, like, pray to God and be open with whatever that thing is. Be honest with him and then be open for him to remove or rearrange things in your life. How many of you know sometimes, like, we pray about, God, would you remove that thing in my life? And we pray like this. <laughs> you ever done that before? God, I'm asking you to take it. And today, like, I, mean, I think God's just saying, hey, be honest, and then, and then just pray like this. Be open. He can't remove or rearrange or adjust something in your life that you cling into for dear life. And so be open, pray, ask God to work, and then you better be ready, because if you pray it and you really mean it, man, his spirit will do a work. And so be open to that. Be honest and be open. And then here's, here's how we say the third thing. Just be, be all in. So what, what does that mean? Well, that means like even right now, as you sit in this room in our online gathering, wherever you're listening to this, man, commit even today, like right now, God, I'm all in. And God, I realize there's, there's something, or the relationship or that habit, where there's this area of my life. And, and God, because it's there, I'm not releasing it to you. But I'm committing today, God, I don't, I don't want there to be anything in my life that's holding me back from fully loving you. Like, I'm tired of playing a game. It ain't worked. I've tried to handle it, but, but I'm letting you know, God, I'm, I'm all in with you, all my heart, all my soul, my very muchness. And maybe for you, a helpful prayer would be kind of like the prayer that I ran across this week from Psalm 86. Look at this. Maybe you need to pray this today. Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Don't miss this part. It's so beautiful. Give me, give me an undivided heart. All of you, undivided heart, that I may what? That I may fear your name, that I may know you, God, deeply. And I'll do what? I'll praise you, Lord my God, with what? With some of my heart. You get my Sunday heart. And it says, and I'll praise you, God, with, with all of me, all of my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Because you see, church, listen, when you really give God your undivided heart, your all-in love, then, okay, and only then, will you really know and experience the full joy and purpose of living in relationship with God, just like you were created for. Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc 
or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.